Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Samuel Pata, and you may recognize his name because he's been a guest on the Become an Idol podcast before on topics such as NFTs. And now Samuel has come back to join us to talk about accessibility in e-learning. And so Samuel, will you please do a better job of introducing yourself? Thank you, Dr. Robin. My name is Samuel. I am a Senior e-learning developer with currently with Starbucks. I work remotely. I'm a remote partner. Our headquarters is in Seattle, Washington, and I've only been there for three months. But prior to that, I have worked with a number of organizations um, as both in instructional design capacity as well as training coordination and even LMS management, which I know we've talked about in the past. Oh, yeah, that was the other one. And so now you've actually reached out to me and you're like, Robin, let's do an episode on accessibility, which like, of course, I jumped on that because it's such um, a hot topic in our industry. And there's, I would actually say, maybe there's a whole movement towards making things more accessible for our learners. So what is it that actually made you reach out and want to talk about this? Yes, it's just from conversations that I've been having uh, with, you know, several colleagues and e-learning developers just over the internet, um, just having conversations about accessibility or why we need to make courses accessible and whether we, what are the common misconceptions about accessibility and what, what, what are people, how do people feel about accessibility and why, why is it a hot topic? right now and it's been a hot topic for for a while Um, it's something that we need to be doing i was recently at a conference and there was a lot of buzz around accessibility so just sharing some of my opinions and others that i've heard and just i think it's a wider discussion Um, so maybe this could be an alternative discussion as well to all other conversations you may have heard out there Oh, I'm here for it. So I think we have to, since so many people are new to our industry that listen to this podcast, we have to tell them, what do we mean by accessibility in e-learning? What is that? Yeah. Accessibility in e-learning is simply, simply, I like that word, simply simplifying your courses in a way that is, in a way that other users or all users can access. So whether it's making your fonts larger, adding more contrast to your courses, adding voiceover or using alternative text, which we call alt text. uh, Those are all things you can do to make your courses more accessible. So it's, it's all about making your course available to all users or to all learners, depending on the, on the case. Oh, yeah. So that they may have a variety of needs. And if you design your course with accessibility in mind, then ideally you can meet all the needs, kind of like you said, like bigger letters. So those who might have a little vision impairment or all the way down to transcripts and closed captions and like you said, alt text. Okay. 
I think I think most people are probably pretty familiar with those types of things. Now, there's other things that get thrown around too, Samuel, like it goes accessibility, universal design for learning, being inclusive, DEI, right? Which is like diversity, inclusion. What's the E stand for? Equity, equity. Oh, there it is. Yeah. (laughs) It just flew out of my brain. Yeah. So diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so are there differences between these things or are they similar or what? Yes, yes. And it's it's funny you mentioned DEI for cost building as well. That's that's one that's very important as well. So representation matters of just keeping just making sure that everyone is represented because if you're creating courses, you're probably talking to a large pool of learners that include different races, different sexual preferences and nationalities. So those are all those should all be catered for as far as course building. So making sure that you're including different types of people. And that's the DEI part. And when we talk about WCAG, we're talking about web content accessibility guidelines, which is a worldwide, it's a, it's a guideline that was provided by a consortium of people just worldwide it's it's a body that that puts together that recommendation and so that's out there so just understanding the differences where on the other hand you have section 508 which is a united states federal law um, but wcag is a set of guidelines recognized around the world And, and both serve to provide guidelines for how training should be built and and not just training, but anything, any material or content that's being put on the web. Okay. So basically, just like you said, just in summary, so being inclusive and the DEI, right? Those, and yeah. maybe even universal design for learning, like it does include accessibility, but it also includes being inclusive and DEI principles. So that's kind of a combo of the two. But what you want to focus on is actual accessibility, which is following those guidelines of the web content accessibility guidelines and then that 508 federal laws. And that's where we will stick our conversation. And so... That is correct. All right. So, all right. So here we are. We're in WCAG land. And you've told us a little bit about that. And so I'm imagining that those guidelines can apply to e-learning and and take us from there. Yeah, those guidelines can apply to e-learning. So, and some of the thought I was having was in, I've been an e-learning developer for about eight years now. So I can't really speak much for any time before that, but I've I've also created web content and, and other modalities before e-learning, but things have evolved. And I feel like there's where we're at a place where we're asking ourselves questions, right? Like how how do how do we make courses more accessible? How do we make content more accessible? So that's the problem statement. You know, how how do we make things more accessible for that one person that needs it for that sometimes one percent to you know twenty percent or depending on the different use cases, right? So how do we make the content more accessible for for those that need it or for everyone? So 
And, and the way I see it is everyone has some form of disability or another. Not all disabilities are visible. So there are people who have hearing impairments of you know, visual impairments, but there are also people who have cognition impairments, um, so can't focus on on too much at once. And that almost goes for everyone, right? This is why we don't design courses with text that are text heavy, just for that reason. So I feel like accessibility needs to be understood so we can do it the proper way without jeopardizing without stifling creativity or reducing what we can do with with the tools that are available to us. So is it fair to say there might even be like a spectrum of how accessible a course is? And on that spectrum, does it also like the further you go down into more accessible courses, like to reach a broader audience, is that also on that same scale, does it lower the amount of creativity that one can include? How do you see that working together? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great question. The way someone explained it is the more complex you try to explain something, it shows that you simply don't understand it. You, you should be able to explain things in, in a simple way. So I guess with that argument, you can say there definitely is a spectrum for how you can make your courses, even though that's not really specified in any of the documents that are available. So whether it's to what degree do you add audio to your courses, for example, or to what degree do you want to add alt text to your course, to your images? Because it, it takes a much longer time to build e-learning courses to check all of the boxes, but it's it's something we need to find a fine balance. And, you know, depending on the time, the budget, the use case, there should be a way to to make courses accessible regardless. Okay, so what are some of the are there like a is there a standard of minimums or is it really about doing that learner analysis and seeing? But you said some of those things that uh, people need accessibility for are hidden. You know, they're not things that people would self-report on a survey or things like that. So. What do you think? Are there minimums that? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yes, there are minimums. So things like adding closed captioning, that's almost a given for any course that you build. Those are easy ones, right? So making courses, adding closed captions to courses, it takes some effort, but I think it's important. I try to do that on any courses that I build, especially when working on video. But, you know, there's also there there are also things like changing the focus order, which is more at that point. We're talking about screen readers like JAWS, um, MVDA and, and TalkBack. Those are tools that folks who actually need to assess your website or your e-learning content, they're using an external tool that lets them or it could be an app or an add-on to the browser that lets them be able to access those courses. And if we don't change the focus orders on our e-learning courses, they're not going to be, they're not going to be able to pick up those elements on our courses. So that takes a little effort to do, but there are things that we must do. <laughs> but to what degree that I think that's based upon 
who the audience is. Normally, we would tailor content to the audience or to the learners. So just knowing who your audience is. So I would guess for large corporations like the multinationals, they work with a large pool of learners. So they, I feel like we should be surveying at the beginning to find out who exactly needs who exactly needs accessibility, right? And who doesn't just to kind of kind of be able to tailor that content and not just throw out accessibility as as something that is applicable to every case, even though I think it, it is. Uh, but to an extent, we need to be able to figure out when is it super important to, to make courses accessible and not. And the way that we describe it in Idle Courses Academy, we have like a a full guide on how you can make your courses more accessible. And we have like three, we've set it up into like three different levels, like level A, AA and and AAA, which is like the most ideal. And it's all about like, well, what can you do for text, shapes, images, characters, audio and video, the interactive elements, and then the navigation. And there's like, and we have minimums like, Closed captions would be, I think, a minimum, right? Yes, I, I think it's a minimum to have closed captioning. Like I said, those are easy to add, especially in tools like Storyline. But I think one important thing is not to not to make your course less creative just because you're trying to make it accessible. I think there are... It's it's all it all falls on the e-learner developer to find that balance. Um, so things like using drag and drops, which I used to love to use a lot, sadly it's I found out that it's not as accessible. So I've been scaling back on using drag and drops, but then I also realized that there are use cases where there may not be someone who needs that level of accessibility in you know at the for who I'm designing it for. So whether it's a client who only has a small company of about 50 employees uh, and none of them have a need for that, then there's no point worrying too much about accessibility in that case. So it's just knowing why you're doing it and being responsible enough to make that judgment. Okay. All right. Well, and so what is... Just being knowledgeable enough to make that decision. So, but you would say that maybe there are like simple things that we can do to, you know, make it more accessible just in general. And then if you have the time, resources, budget, and you know that there's a certain learner population, then maybe you can go up another level in accessibility because what there's 78 guidelines on WCAG. Oh yes. (laughs) There's probably a lot more than that if you think about it, but at the same time, there are simple things you can do. You can start doing today as just general practice that would make your courses more accessible. And that's, that's what I want the focus to be on. So whether it's not autoplaying your videos, you know, so giving that, giving the learner the control to click on the play button themselves, that's a critical one. And, and not just relying on whole for state to display important details because the 
screen readers don't have a way to access the hover state on the button. Um, that's a rollover state. So just being mindful of that is, is important. And also don't set time limits for quizzes or other things. I think for people who have anxiety and, and other medical conditions, it may be a daunting task for them. And it's not, it's not really just nice to set time limits for learners in general and providing alternatives to drag and drops interactions. I think it's important as well. That's an easy fix, right? So we're not asking you to change the focus order or, or do other com complex things, but at least make your add all text to images, which shouldn't take very long at all. Um, adding closed captions, adding accessible video controls, uh, providing a transcript. Some authoring tools even let you generate auto transcripts. So just adding those, whether you feel people need it or not, I think it's will go a long way in, in helping us uh, understand what accessibility is and cater into a logical learners. And so what do you think are some of the things that are minimums that people can start to consider? Yes. Right now. Yes. In, in addition to what I just mentioned, uh, yeah. you know, offering audio alternatives to on-screen text, but even that one has a fine balance, right? So if your, if your courses already con contain on-screen text, and then you're adding closed captions. Now the learner is seeing the text in two places and that could be, so it depending on the learner too. So that even though there's some, some of it falls in on the e-learner developer, but some of it falls on the learner, how they want to experience the course as well. So just giving them all the options that you can and explaining what the options are at the beginning, I think is important so that the learner can ultimately make the choice for how they want to experience the course. Oh, so even more about giving choices. And what are some yes. of the resources that you have used besides the WCAG? Because like you said, that's not specifically for e-learning. Like I know that there right. is accessibility guidelines, like implementing WCAG guidelines that was created by Articulate. But do you have other yeah. resources that you look to or... Not particularly. So a lot of it comes with just experience and just, I do it intuitively now. It, it, it's more about caring, right? So be caring enough to actually want to do it and also communicating that to your clients. I think a lot of clients are, a lot of clients that I have, they, they don't even know what e-learning, they're, they're just, they're new to e-learning, so also look into us to help them set those standards. They know they want to make their courses accessible, but at the same time, it's just setting the tone and, uh, you know, seeing what the use case is and really finding out, asking the right questions and the right expectations at the beginning is, is important when making decisions about accessibility, I think. What are some of those questions that you would ask? I mean, I would want to know what the audience makeup is, who's taking the course, if it's a mixed population, even if it's not a mixed population, I want to represent it also depending on location, right? I mean, for someone like me, I have clients as far as Japan and, and other continents, um, just knowing that in the end, 
you want the learner to see themselves inside of the course. So whether it's going back to DEI, adding a diverse pool of people, just doing what I can to to help clients see the need to to talk to the audience the right way and also making courses more accessible depending on, on the need of the client. I think is is important. Where do you stand, Samuel, where people say that all courses should be at the highest level of accessibility if possible? Yeah, I've like I hope I've been um, describing where I stand is even though I agree with that statement, I also feel like there are use cases where depending on who the audience is, the population you're talking to, it should accessibility shouldn't be a buzzword or just something we say to make ourselves feel good. It should be something that's practical. Um, it should be something that's and some of it also falls in on the altering tools to to maybe catch up with the technology uh, to make things more to make things easier to make it easier to add accessibility. Even though I wouldn't blame. I know Storyline um, and Domino and other altering tools are doing a lot um, to make courses more accessible. But at the same time, I feel like everyone has a part to play. Even the learner has a part to play. I mean, a part to play in terms of giving feedback and letting us know what their needs are, I think. So just more research needs to be done in areas of accessibility and even seeing it from the the person who needs it, their their point of view, what do they need? Um, how how are they experiencing the courses? So not having a not having so sometimes we would even ask. I've seen I've seen some cases where someone who needs it is the one testing the course and not just someone who doesn't need accessibility, right? So maybe a blind person um, is a visually impaired person is the one testing the course for accessibility. That way, you know, they're reporting back to us in real time and letting us know exactly what they need instead of us just prescribing or or just doing it to meet the minimum standards. So what and so if we imagine a course that is 100 percent accessible, can it still be pretty? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, so that's actually the point of the discussion is to how do we draw that fine line, right? So you have your brand guidelines, you have your, you have things that you must stick to. So if we're talking about contrast, we're not saying, oh, make this black and white. We're not saying it's more, how this thing's legible. And it's not just even accessibility now, it's even just the basic graphic design principles, like is your text legible and are you throwing too many words on screen, eliminating distractions, using accessible fonts, um, using descriptive links, giving learners clear feedback? Those are all ways you can make your courses more accessible without without stifling creativity or or jeopardizing your brand guidelines in the process. And so that just kind of comes down to which thing becomes more important and the different options that you have as far as making changes to your course to make it more accessible. So yeah, you can do a lot. Yes, you can do a lot. Just to the text, like even left justifying, exactly. for example. But if you 
want to make your images or the visual design or the background that you know more engaging for the eye but then yeah. it but then it's difficult right to put it, alt text on that or where is it that right. um it actually starts to conflict like what are some of the what are those real limitations that you start to run into yeah drag and drops what are some of those other things um so using using sliders even using sliders inside a storyline which i like to use a lot um is considered not accessible by the screen readers because there's no way for them to select the button and move drag it to the right like yeah like we would normally with a mouse so but Again, it, it boils down to the use case. Like, are there are there cases where that's not even needed? If if you're designing for a company with 200 or 300 employees, you know, depending, there's that chance that there are folks who would need it. So just being mindful of that, and not just being mindful, but actually creating your own checklist and just following those and trying to be as inclusive as possible. Yeah, I think is yes, but but if you if you were to create a course that's a hundred percent accessible, I don't even know if that exists. But that would take some time, some budgets, considerations to make that happen. Have you had to build one that is level AAA accessible? Oh yes, yes, I have in the past. I have created focus orders for all of the slides, added closed captioning. <laughs> And it took a lot of effort to get it there, which especially if you're things, things will be missed, even if you try to do that. So things will be missed. And when they are missed, whether you draw the line, I think. But usually, you know, even things like video or animation may not even be considered accessible for, I mean, for someone who's visually impaired, they can't, they can't see the video anyways, um, or the animation the fancy thing you have going on, on on your screen so but if you added a description of that video which might even take some effort to craft out what it is but it could be a transcript of the voiceovers at least they can follow along and know what you're talking about so i think that's where that's where accessibility comes into play but but there are even when designing with choosing focus order and telling telling your program where to the the items that are selectable not all of it gets chosen in the end so where you've added this image of the sunset and the car driving may not mean much if you put it in, into words again it's finding that balance right so you think about, I mean, I think we've kind of gone round and round about the things that you look at, about the case studies, um, about the learners, what does the client want, what's their timeline, scope, budget, those kinds of things. But also that yeah. you do consider there are certain minimal things that we can do yes. that are pretty easy, right? And so, and those fall in all those different categories. Yes. You know, yes. like the text the images, right. the videos, the navigation, and the interactions. Yes. Don't don't lock your courses. Don't disable the next button until the user clicks. Yeah, those are all just, you know, those those can be missed by the screen readers. So it's just 
being conscious, keeping things simple, I think is the number one way to make things accessible. Just keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. But at the same time, it's, it's okay to be creative, but don't overdo it where folks can't access your course or learners can't access your course. Or maybe it's a little bit of a different thought around how we can be creative. Like we can be creative in the problem activities that we give our learners through different types of scenarios and scripts, and we can be creative there. But really for accessibility, it sounds like where that line is drawn is don't get too fancy with your buttons or maybe the way that things move right into the screen exactly and the interactions yes um so it's all it's all based on use cases as well and i I think that's one that's one area people of a lot of folks are avoiding to talk about that you know it's it's based upon use cases so are there cases where accessibility isn't needed at all? I would argue that there are. Um, are there cases where we need to be 100% accessible? I believe there are those cases, but the federal law it, to protect the to protect everyone and include more people, the federal law was passed, and these laws are taken seriously in in a lot of states. I think all states have them. It's a federal law, but at the same time, you know, states like New York even have their own additional recommendations as far as web content or trainings, which employers must meet in order to deliver those trainings or put anything on their servers for people to to go through. And that's referring to those 508 compliance guidelines? Yes. So not just 508. That's the federal one. New York, I think California all have their own additional recommendations, which employers must meet. And if they do not meet it, they can be sued by an employee. So that's where it starts to get serious, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So again, I think it depends on the use case. I mean, for someone like me, I participate in e-learning challenges uh, and storyline on on the Articulate website. And those I just create for fun. I'm not thinking about accessibility when I'm creating them. But at the same time, there may be someone out there who's needing to access my course. So we're always training for that one one person. But again, it's finding that balance on who needs it and just putting some practice into play where you're at least over the edge as far as making your courses more accessible. So really like our takeaways could be about that all courses that we build, we need to think about accessibility at the beginning of that course. We've got to ask good questions to make sure that we know exactly who's your learners. Are they in certain states? Is this going to be something that needs to follow the federal government guidelines? Um, And so they're asking those good questions, but... If we can think about it at the beginning, we're already going to do a better job right. than if we don't yes. 
think about it exactly. at all. And so, like I mentioned, there's a, a WCAG guidelines for instructional designers on the Articulate Storyline website. You can go and check that out just to get more information about the minimum and maximum things you can do to make things more accessible. What are some of your other favorite things to look like? I know we mentioned the WCAG website and those 508 guidelines we can find through Google searches, but is there anything else that you look to, Samuel, to help inform your practice? Yes. Uh, so I use Storyline a lot, and I think Storyline does a great job as far as documenting how to make courses more accessible. So that that's one place I would look as an e-learning developer. It's just great to know that it's a topic that's been discussed, uh, but just knowing why and what you can do personally, I think, will will go a long way. And and I, I hope I've kind of struck a light bulb or made someone more aware of it and just knowing what they can do to help. And even from a career perspective, it is beneficial for someone to learn the skills and the tools for yes. building accessible training because there are quite a few, just like we already mentioned, like all anything that's related to the federal government or anybody who has a company that serves those employees in what New York and California has to yes. meet certain guidelines. And so if you can get some more training or certification or even just train yourself and practice and build accessible learning, then that can also open up more opportunities for you in our field because this particular segment of accessibility is growing. So what are some of the other things you think maybe they can do to help themselves get more proficient? Yeah, I think just being more aware of it, those several blogs and and content that, that has been created around accessibility. So going through those. And for me, at my current job, I have an iPad in addition to my computer that I must test courses that I create on the iPad because that's how our learners in the stores access the training. So just being able to have the tool that they're using, I think, is a way to create courses that are more accessible, right? Because if I create courses on, on the computer and it's been translated on the iPad in a different way, I think that defeats the purpose. So when we think about accessibility, we're not just talking about disability. It's also making your courses accessible <laughs> by your learners. So how are they experiencing your courses? What roadblocks do they have? Are things displaying differently? Uh, is your browser responsive? Those are all accessibility questions as well that you must ask yourself as an e-learning developer. So not just... Yeah, we shouldn't just think about disability when we're thinking about accessibility. It's also catering to to the broader, yeah, catering to, to your learner, to that one learner, all the learners that you, that you are training. Yeah, like you can't even predict some of the people that might show up. Like a new exactly. parent would also need probably need some appreciate some accessibility yeah. features like exactly. um, I know that if the baby's sleeping but I'm holding on to that baby and I want right. to take a training then closed captions are going to be my friend exactly. you know? exactly. I mean that's a small example but I yeah. mean there are definitely so that's things a, that's a great example yeah you yeah. can't even account for yes. or like an ear infection which is a temporary thing so it's something that right. somebody wouldn't even mention on 
a survey. And so yes. what are some, okay. So I think that we've done a pretty good job of just kind of exposing our listeners to what accessibility is and its importance and the different types of resources that they can go to. But if somebody's just starting out in their career as an instructional designer, Samuel, what is that best advice that you can give them to get started down this path? Oh, yes. I, I think someone who's just starting out is actually in a better position to follow accessibility guidelines because they've they haven't done it any other way. For someone like me who has been creating e-learning for a while, it's sometimes tough to unlearn things. For example, already there, there are tools that I already use and may find challenging to to consider alternatives. But for someone who's just starting out, uh, they can actually get on a, on a good habit of creating their own list of accessible items that they need to check off and following those guidelines for themselves. I think you're exactly right. It's it's a great place to start with accessibility right from the beginning. That way you don't have to unlearn the bad habits. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Samuel and I have, had, have built up over the years. So I just really appreciate you coming and talking to us and bringing more awareness to things that we can do to make our courses more accessible and inclusive. And so thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.